across the nation on RadioHarrow.org and on your smart speaker, recorded from a secret bunker in Ealing Broadway. This is a review. Yes, hello. This is David Stone. This is Ian Stone. And this is a review. This is a show where we have been recording reviews from our isolation suites in our various places across the planet. Uh, The concept of the show, you might want to know, is basically we watch telly, old films, new films, new telly, old telly, and we... um, What do we do? We, We review them. Now, this week... The saga continues quite literally, and I don't know how long this is going to last, but because Ian decided that reviewing Star Wars Episode 1 of The Phantom Menace was a good idea, it was only fair that we continued our own saga and began doing each and every Star Wars film in its entirety. I don't know how many episodes of this is a review this is going to take, but thank you, Ian. We're doing this now. You're very welcome. I count at least 11. 11 films. Oh, 11, God. yeah. Oh um, my and God. The Mandalorian, if you want to add that as well. Well, can we see how we go with the first three first? Because I'm struggling. I'm not going to lie. I was struggling after the first <laughs> one. I was struggling after the first one with sheer boredom. I was struggling after this one with sheer anger. We'll find out later on about the other ones. They might improve. Who knows? Maybe if we actually get to watch the original trilogy, things might get a lot better, but I'm not, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up. I mean, they can't get much worse than this, or any worse. Um, I was looking up the Rotten Tomato scores, actually, of all of the Star Wars, and I was expecting this to have the lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but actually, I think Rise of Skywalker has a worse um, rating, which to be honest with you, baffled me, because in my opinion, this is you know, not to ruin the review or anything, but this is easily the worst Star Wars film. Well, actually, I, that... I probably have less to say on it than Episode One, oddly enough, but it is worse, significantly worse. Well, actually, that makes me feel a bit better, um, knowing that we've got the worst out of the way in that case. Well, we haven't done the review yet, in which my anger will probably resurface. Right, Ian, shall we get on with this review? Actually, right. So before we start the review. Of the film itself now there's a popular online discussion about the underlying text written within the star wars universe about what is actually happening regarding a certain character now ian do you want to just explain that quickly for the audience and then let me tell you i am going to debunk it in <laughs> one easy step okay before we even start the review. So just let the audience know what I'm referring to here. Uh, you're referring to the, um, it was a few years ago, this game Traction on the internet, the kind of um, jokey theory that Jar Jar Binks is behind everything and is the real dark Sith Lord. Yeah, you say it's jokey. Insidious. You say it's jokey, but some people I'm sure actually saw the videos and stuff and were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So it, it requires a lot of reading into stuff, I feel. Uh, <laughs> you have not... to read between the lines very hard and <laughs> imagine things which aren't there. But a... you can go ahead and de- debunk away. <laughs> right. A lo- right. So here's, here's the debunking. Right. 
I've written it here in my notes. So you guys, so here's the one easy step, folks, to why that theory is absolute rubbish. And it's this simple. Anyone who wrote this script, made this film, came up with this convoluted, stupid story would not <laughs> have the gumption to be able to write such an intricate, complicated subtext with a secret Easter egg, if you will, as to who the actual evil Sith Lord is. They cannot even get the basics right in this film. So how the hell are they going to put this much of a secretive subtext in it? That's all I wanted to say, you know? I mean, you say that, but I think what makes this film bad is less to do with the kind of complicated universe building which would include having that degree of subtext in in it and it's more kind of you know disregarding the basics of good storytelling but it's no 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 it's not disregarding the basics like it it tried and it failed this film is a total total mess (laughs) well (laughs) yes um (laughs) it um it's it's it it, it, it's a film yes you can uh say that uh (laughs) did you have any other kind of overarching feelings about this Uh, beyond it just being a a car crash well once once we finish the review i I will give you my overarching thoughts but before we start the film uh it's called star wars episode 2 attack of the clones but as we will find out through our review this bloody <laughs> this this film should have been called star wars episode 2 the jedis are total idiots they are the, the dumbest people i've decided they are so stupid throughout this film the sheer idiocy in this film by every main character by the way not just not just Hayden Christensen, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker. We'll get into what an idiot he is. And, oh, oh, God, I'm getting started already. I tell you what, anyway, yeah. just just keep that in mind, people, as we go through this review. This film should be called The Jedi Are Idiots, and you're going to find out why as we go through it. Ian, are you mm-hmm. ready? Yes, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. So, so let's go. <laughs> as, is, as has become a very short-lived tradition... We must start by reading the opening crawler to this film before we do anything else. So, Ian, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, Episode 2. Attack of the Clones. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems had declared their intentions to leave the Republic. This separatist movement under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. So, Ian, 
that was your opening. Now, it's not just tradition that uh, makes me want to read that out. It is to <clears throat> yep. highlight straight away what a stupid story this is. And this is why we've got more nonsensical politics. Not quite as boring, I have to admit, as the politics at the start of The Phantom Menace, but still pretty boring. And to be honest, when I read that opening crawler, as I sat down last night to sit and watch this lovely, lovely, lovely film, <laughs> I thought to myself, this reminds me of a political situation that is currently actually going on in the universe. That's right. George Lucas wrote Brexit. <laughs> sort of, actually, now I think about it. This, um, yeah. I found, I found this opening crawler quite unmemorable really compared to the the last film just because i think the last film it was so boring this at least kind of hints at a degree of action and excitement that the uh first episode <clears throat> didn't did not promise yeah all the action um, and excitement being around politics again this. This, 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 this okay yes welcome back this is a review with ian stone and david stone and we have only just started on our review of Attack of the Clones. And I had to say, I thought I'd be simmering already, but I'm not at boiling point yet. How are you feeling? Well, we haven't really gone into it yet, have we? So shall we get into the... Uh, in, let's go start a deep dive into this um, into this cinematic masterpiece. Ian, the stage is yours. <laughs> okay, so it's a fairly tame opening. Um, Queen Amid... Not Queen Amidala, sorry. Uh... Galactic Senator um, Padme Amidala um, is arriving to Coruscant to vote on this issue, as is highlighted in the initial opening package. But immediately, um, she her vehicle is struck by a terror attack. Um, <laughs> God. And uh, right. the transporter is exploded. And luckily for Padme, but unluckily for her decoy, who apparently she's still using, apparently she just loves decoys. Right. Um, her decoy okay. dies in her in her in her stead. Okay, so these opening scenes, right? My notes, yeah. My furious notes started straight away. By the way, universe, I wrote fourteen pages of notes in this film. Compared it to comparing it to the first film, where I wrote five pages of notes, you can see that this is we're in for the long haul here. Okay, the very first line is a random stranger who I don't know who he is, but poor guy. I hope he got acting jobs after this, right? Because he is starting mm. a blockbuster. <laughs> a blockbuster. Mm. <laughs> he is he is starting off the narrative of a blockbuster movie with the very first line of the film, and says it like this: "Senator, we're making our final approach into Coruscant." That's how. <laughs> is it the guy with the eye patch who does that? I can't remember because his act. Or was it a different cat? No, no, it's, 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 cat, it's, it's it? like a young guy. I don't know if we see him again in the film, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I know who you mean now. Yeah, but the, the guy I was thinking of the guy with the eye patch who who has some real doozies of. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't wait for these. I can't. Pretty so poor. so anyway, yeah. So we covered that. Then, yes, as you said, my God, we've done two minutes on this literal twenty-second clip. <laughs> so we've done that, and then the explosion goes my notes right kaboom i'm like okay good 
it's getting there. It's actually started with something, but it's reasonably intriguing. And then, <laughs> oh my God, I've got so many notes on this. I've put frizzy explosion hair or just the decoy's hair. I couldn't tell because her hair was so wild after she'd been exploded to death that uh, it yeah. looked very weird. And then just put, well, she's dead and we move on. Yeah, I mean, not much. I mean, that, that's all there is to say about it because we are then treated to the Jedi... <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine discussing this. Um, oh God! Where they, where they decide between them collectively that um, because obviously Palpatine secretly wants Anakin to get su seduced by um, Padme or get in infatuated with her because it's part of his grand plan, is saying, why don't you put her under your good graces? Perhaps oh. under an old friend like Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. And they agree to this fabulous plan apparently. Um, another thing they mention is um, they start discussing like who might be behind this assassination attempt, and the Jedi <laughs> seem very quick to just say it's just some like spice people who are like ag aggravated by your behaviour in the Senate. Um, and they mention uh, the Separatist and Count Dooku, who is a former Jedi. And firstly, lol, the red the Jedi's just let random Jedi's just go away without any repercussions. He just like goes away, and they're not worried about it whatsoever. And two, he said, like, he's a former Jedi. It's not in his character to be a total douchebag. <sighs> yeah. But there are other former Jedis in the past of the the grand Star Wars canon who have turned out to be pretty evil douchebags. Okay. So I'm not sure why Mace Window is already so trusting of um, Christopher Lee. <sighs> right. Now you've made that point, I'm going to get into what my notes say here, okay? So we enter the scene and I've put... Remember, remember, listeners, what I said at the very start, how this film is going to be called, the, should be called The Jedi Are Idiots. Here's the reason. So we open the scene. I write, here's the idiot Jedi. <laughs> idiot. I mean, you're going with a prejudiced, pre-planned view, aren't you? No, you're, no, no, you're, no, 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 no. Presumptive. Okay. Well, they were, they were slight idiots in the, the first film, but in this one, they are just out of control the idiocy is out out of this world stupid so here's the idiot jedi talking to the obviously evil chancellor right he's so obviously evil throughout this entire film it's it's untrue then he very 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 obviously tries to push his own narrative on them saying oh maybe count dooku and they're like really stupid and quick to dismiss this guy who left them who couldn't possibly be evil so idiots number two for that they quite obviously fall into the chancellor's trap which is again another sign that he's totally evil by saying oh you should get obi-wan to do it stupid stupid why do you he's quite obviously putting obi-wan ewan mcgregor in place for a reason my god <sighs> I'll, I'll, I'll say more once you get further into this scene this is the second scene of the film um, I think I was kind of finished it. I can't remember much more, more about it. Really. I think that was that pretty much right. covered it. Okay, um, so whilst we're in the room then, Jar Jar Binks yeah. is also there. <laughs> and I wrote... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I, just as I was writing Jar Jar keeping silent, as soon as I said that, little did I know that he would open his mouth. <sighs> and there's more to come on Jar Jar later, believe it or not. I know I said well, that. I'm... There you go. 
I'm amazed that Jar Jar has somehow in this 10 years between this last film and this one retained its significant positions of power despite being an incompetent boob. Okay, I'm starting to get angry. Ian, I'm about to get angrier. Tell me how we are introduced to our good friend and your star of the film, (laughs) Hayden, (laughs) Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Go on. So... Hayden and Christensen and Obi-Wan are taking a lift to, um, to like, I guess, begin their assignment protecting um, Padme. And they exchange some horrible, awful, awful banter. At one point, um, I think Anakin is basically bragging that he saved Obi-Wan by doing something at some point. I think Obi-Wan mm-hmm. fell into a nest of some um, mylarks, or s- some alien creature, and Anakin rescued him. Then Obi Wan starts like chuckling about it in a in like a really like almost sarcastic way, but doesn't follow it up with anything. What what on earth was he laughing about? I, I don't know how far you want me to go into the scene because they, they then walk in to actually see Padme and are greeted by Jar Jar, and we first realise oh, that Anakin is just an incredibly dislikable whiny little so and so, and also when he's whining and ranting. And having like a kind of awkward father teacher, uh, like teacher student exchange of, uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi. Like every other character in the room looks really awkward. You know, they're kind of doing that thing where Ugh. you kind of like look to the side and try and look away and kind of like whistle to yourself as someone is being put in their place. Right. So you've hit the nail on the head there. The very first second this guy is introduced, you realize that something is up here, okay? Right. Straight away, as he's having this conversation with Ewan, Ewan McGregor, right, he comes across as such a little brat. Then he talks about how much he has been thinking about Natalie Portman, as we will call her in this review. Right. He is obsessed with her. He is absolutely the biggest creep of all time from the moment you see him right he is absolutely de- what for anyone male female animal whatever this guy is the biggest turn off right and as you are going to see later somehow this i'm sorry but this idiot natalie portman in the film doesn't see through this this is why this film is all about idiots this film is about what happens if you get the stupidest people on planet Earth to run the show? <laughs> there, I have put my notes, not notes here, um, um, on this scene. This is the first awkward, unbearable, cringeworthy meeting between Anakin and Padme. That is my one, ta- <laughs> one of my main takeaways from this film. What makes this worse than Phantom Menace isn't necessarily you know, the, the 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 kind of general plotline of the film or the action sequences or whatever, or the length of it or how boring it is or whatever. It's the fact that in this film, in The Phantom Menace, I was not turned off from watching it at any one point. I may have been bored, but I didn't have to physically, you know, move away <laughs> from the screen, pause the film and take a few seconds to compose myself because this film, <laughs> any exchange basically between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, the oh dialogue, my God. the way it's delivered, everything about it. I just, 
I can't watch it. It's 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 unbearable. I cannot what, handle it. What a little and brat you, as you well. You feel that right from the start. What a little yeah. brat as well. After their first meeting in this film, after so many years, he's like, she barely, she barely recognised me. Boo, boo hoo, boo hoo. She didn't yeah. Like, shut up. Right, I need a breather. We'll be back after this. Oh, this is a review, 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 review. This is a review, 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 review. Yes, welcome back to This Is A Review. We are 25 minutes into the show. <laughs> 10 minutes and, into and the film. 10 minutes into the film. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. we are. So we've been introduced to Hayden Christensen. Oh, dear God, right. Ian, <laughs> this is, I think this next bit, uh, this next bit, right, go on. We finally get a bit of action, sort of. <laughs> action. So... Natalie Portman is sleeping in her quarters, and <laughs> and, 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 Nat- <laughs> and and Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor are standing guard. Um, Having because a... at, at this point, Hayden Christensen was kind of like trying to usurp um, Obi Wan's authority by saying Rats. by promising they capture. Yeah, he's just being a complete douchebag. Um, but Padme also wants to capture the the the, um, the the killer, so it's not all Anakin's fault. But you know, he's he put the yeah. idea in her head. Idiot, see, um, idiot, do, yeah. Yeah, so they've kind of covered up the windows, and they've got R two watching in the um, <laughs> in 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 the room. Um, and obviously, the assassin makes another attempt to to kill Nat- to Pad- kill Padme in what I can describe as the most bizarrely elaborate <laughs> assassination <laughs> of all time. Ian, Ian, with <laughs> the evil weevils of doom. <laughs> yeah. So. So let me say. So their plan. Oh was, my god! And you get... say that. You say that. I just looked at my notes. I've put bit of a. <laughs> oh wait, no, no. Go on. Oh, you you describe this, and then I'll I'll tell you something even funnier about it. Right, go on. So for this plan to work, right? So they drill a hole, <laughs> and then they they let out these like, as you say, evil weevils of death. <laughs> so you have to rely on the evil weevils of like somehow crawling and finding their way into Natalie Portman's bed, you know, rather than just like doing what bugs might do and like, you know, crawl under the cabinet or something or just crawl back out the window. Who knows what these bugs would do? Well, Hayden so Christensen's doing already... this throughout the film. Uh... Yeah. You're relying very heavily on, on these, on these weevils kind of like doing what you want them to do. Um, and then you kind of have to rely on them then like climbing onto her and then biting her, I guess. Um, and then doing that intentionally, it just doesn't make sense to use uh, like bugs like this in this manner when you could just like snipe her through the window because you've already proven it's very easy to drill a hole in this window. <laughs> yeah, so just shoot I a mean, security window. floor. Ian, this fit- makes right, absolutely so, no sense. So, like, you know, in the last review, I, also how noticed- I, I spoke about uh, everything being by dumb luck, right? In this film, it's nothing happens by dumb luck, I would say, but there is just, it's almost the opposite, actually. People are so stupid that they can't get the job done. Everyone in this film is an idiot. May I just continue on well, with this next bit as well? Because, right, so the, the evil weevils of doom are oh, crawling onto Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen comes in. 
and kills these insects in the most ridiculously extravagant way possible <laughs> with his lightsaber. Like, yeah. Michael, he could have he could have chopped any part of her off, like swing his lightsaber out of that. When all we had to do actually was give them a little flick and then be off. But no, woof, woof. He might as well have done about forty backflips or a a shooting star press of saying by doing this my god well anakin skywalker is the dolph ziggler of the star wars world he's a show off <laughs> god there's a reference <laughs> yeah. and totally unlikable <laughs> yeah um oh there's one point also i'd noted um because whilst this is going on um, before Obi-Wan and Anakin sense the evil weevils of doom, mm. um, they are, they're having a discussion about politics. And this is the first hint that um, that Anakin might be a bit fashy. Um, and then Anakin reads our minds by saying, like, please don't bore me with another discussion on politics. Yes, Anakin Skywalker, you are absolutely correct. Stop this movie. Um, okay. I also noted that R2 is a bit rubbish at this detection stuff, which is his job in this. Yeah, he was scene. asleep, wasn't he? He's a robot and he was yeah. asleep. <laughs> 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 like maybe he was charging um, up or something, but like he was he was he completely dropped the ball on that one, didn't he? So um also on the luck point, I have noticed that a lot of Senator a uh, lot of Chancellor Palpatine's evil plot also kind of relies on dumb luck he was like watching what went well for the good guys in the last film yeah and maybe it a, lot, a lot because for his plans to succeed at many times his side have to fail and he has to kind of rely on his side failing <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough like he has like for the whole film he has to rely on anakin skywalker surviving these oh, death-defying oh, situations he has to rely and, on so much yeah it's it's a very elaborate plan maybe so anyway, he's a genius yeah sure He's an idiot too. We'll get into. He's an idiot too. Yeah. So Ian, yeah, move on to the longest scene. Actually, (laughs) actually, before we do this, let's uh, let's let's take another breather. It's unbelievable how fast we're getting through this show and how little of the uh, film we've done. (laughs) Take care, all. We'll see in a bit. This. 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 Is a review. Okay, welcome back. This is a review with Ian Stone and David Stone reviewing Attack of the Clones. I think we're about three scenes in and half of the show done. So that just tells you how many parts this review is going to be, I think. <laughs> um, Maybe. Ian, we were getting on to, as I describe it, the longest scene in the film, I think. This lasted forever and it really didn't need to. So I have a few comments on this. So, um, so after so Anakin kind of say they Anakin like kills the 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 bugs which are going to you know try and poison Padme. Um, Obi Wan um, smashes through the window to grab the, the kind of um, I don't know what it is like tracker droid that was delivering the insects into the room, which for some reason decided to hang around the wind outside the window whilst it was happening, <laughs> making detection of the of of this device very easy. Idiot um, Anakin. Anakin takes ever to like find a speeder to help him, and for some reason just decides to steer the speeder. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Why? Anakin um, steals a car. Yeah. There's there's like a long kind of like car chase scene. Yeah, again, Hayden Christensen is really bad at following orders from this guy who's meant to be teaching him everything. Total. Also, brat. he does totally unlikable. 
who in later in the original trilogy obi-wan describes as a great friend anakin doesn't seem to like obi-wan very much no like it's constantly complaining yeah why is he like why would you intend like isn't the point of these films to make anakin's downfall actually mean something shouldn't you be trying to make him likable or at least like you know a bit like of a roguish you know han solo-y type character and would have worked better you know where his character flaws which drive him to the dark side you know are then kind of like amplified even even more because like, he's fundamentally a good person Ian, like his his downfall is very obvious from this film because I, he's such a douche i think that <clears throat> okay god bless hayden christensen okay right i'm sure he's lovely i'm sure he's hopefully improved his acting but that what you described was physically not within his capability it really wasn't during <laughs> during the scene we get the peak of his acting which is him saying yes master yes master in the worst way possible at this point by the way i've written that this is when the scene is officially too long and i think we're only halfway through it and then so we're 22 minutes into the film by the way i just because <laughs> i've now got to page and i say 22 minutes in because i've now got to page three of my notes already 22 minutes in to the film and we're running and then we get into this weird <laughs> alien sports bar with weird alien sports <laughs> i forgot about the alien sports bar um I, there was one other line that um, that um, struck me during the car chase scenes was when Anakin jumps out of the speeder to jump onto the um, the, the assassin speeder, and and um, Obi Wan says, "I hate it when he does that." It's like, how many times has Obi? How many times you've been in this precise situation where Anakin Skywalker jumps out of a moving vehicle? This is his life. Lands on another moving vehicle. This is his life. What I a guess. brat. This is why the Jedi are idiots him. Because this guy is quite clearly out of control. He is not the chosen one. He is a brat. He is Hayden Christensen. No way should this guy be anywhere near a weapon. Nowhere near one. Because he's such a brat. He is so obviously out of control. But then again, as we've established already in this film, the Jedi are the biggest idiots in the galaxy. So they crash and they get into the weird alien sports bar. And Ian, this is where the only good line of the film is, in my opinion. The the death sticks line. Is yes. That the one you're on about? Yes. So yeah. the guy offers him these death sticks and the one good line in the film, which has nothing to do with the film, like anything else that happens whatsoever, but it was good. Raise a wry smile at it. When he said, where he used his Jedi powers to say, you don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. That was terribly done by me. That was Hayden Christensen level. But that was the one good Mm. line in the film. Congratulations, Ewan McGregor. (laughs) There's a bit of foreshadowing in this as well, um, where... uh, Ewan McGregor says, why do I get the feeling you'll be the death of me? And I was like, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Because he is the death of him. Well, yeah. yeah. Ha-ha. That, that's in um, like three films time. 
Yeah. Or two. two Anakin, Anakin, Anakin uh, stalks the assassin in the club. Yeah, doing a pretty poor job of it because Obi-Wan captures them. And there's another pointless reference to the first Star Wars film where um, Obi-Wan cuts off um, an alien's arm um, in a club. Um, there was some amazing questioning by Anakin. So they get her outside and they and Obi-Wan like starts questioning her, like, who do you work for? And all, all these questions. And, and that doesn't work. But luckily, Hayden Christensen has incredible questioning ability because he goes like, who do you work for? Please tell us. And then he suddenly goes, tell us now. And then they just, well, they start to tell Hayden and then are shot in the neck with a dart by um, Django Fett. But wow, what questioning, what acting, what a character, what a Jedi, what a man. Right. I think, Hayden. right. So I think, I don't know how many outbursts I've done already, but I think this is going to be my first real outburst. So uh, describe the next scene and we'll get into it. Um, I think they then so they so they um, so they report to uh, the the council and Chancellor Palpatine, and they're in his office. Do they give them the assignment after then? I've completely forgotten. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is that this this yeah. This so, is... so so Obi Wan's assigned by the council to track down the assassin, and then they um, give Anakin a task of his own to protect the senator. And escort her back to her home planet of Naboo, um, and then Palpatine afterwards is like basically cl- cl- very obviously trying to manipulate Anakin and encourage his douchebag behaviour. Very by, obviously, um... <laughs> yes, right. But he doesn't so... do this in front of anyone else, though. So Hayden yes, doesn't notice no. this. Hang on. So right before we, I'm really angry now. Right, that I think this okay. is this is actually perfect because I think this is the point in the film where I did start to get really angry with how stupid, stupid this film was. Now I will just point out at this point, right? There was no point in this film where I was really bored. I was just supremely angry throughout the whole thing. <laughs> it, it flew, it flew by compared to the lot. It was actually a longer film, but it flew by compared to the Phantom Menace. Okay, right. So first, before I get, you can hear by the sound of my voice. I can hear it in my voice. Right. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna count the amount of times I wrote the word idiot in my notes here. So one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. Right, I think six on one page. So, the idiot Jedi being idiots put in Hayden Christensen in charge of Natalie Portman, okay? This guy has just been an idiot in literally seconds ago disobeying orders. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting this first assignment ever, like, by... by... How do I put this nicely? By being put in charge of the woman who he quite obviously wants to have sex with. There's no doubt about it. He's he's not quiet. He doesn't, he, you know, he does. He makes no bones about it. He wants this woman in the creepiest way possible as well, by the way. And he does not hide it from anyone, right? So He, um, he mentions it to Obi-Wan, doesn't he, at some point. He, he says that he finds her presence intoxicating yeah, or something. Yeah, which made me want to literally call social the police or someone. But... Anyway, so the the piece of idiocy they do here is that they put this quite uh, this obvious brat who is out of control. They decide is allowed to go and they send him to talk to the quite obviously evil chancellor on his own 
right, who sows the seeds so obviously, is so obviously evil, is sowing the seeds in this young guy, and they trust him to talk to him. So they're, they're you know, they're the, uh, they're the authors, they're the, the writers of their own demise in this, quite frankly. And then, and then, before they go, if the circle of idiots wasn't complete enough, that idiot Natalie Portman in this film... Sorry, I must say, I'm using their actors because I find it easier to describe them than their stupid star was named. I don't think Natalie Portman is actually an idiot. I don't think Hayden Christian is actually an idiot. But in this, they are idiots, okay? Their roles, the roles they are playing, they're playing the roles of idiots, okay? So, Natalie Portman, when you inevitably listen to this, I like you. I think you're a great actor, but you are an idiot in this film. Your character is an idiot in this film, right? Okay, so... The Circle of Idiots is completed by Natalie Portman's character who puts the idiot Jar Jar in control. This buffoon who, let's not forget in the first film, was banished from his own society simply for being a moron, right? He was banished from his own society. He was let in and then was made a general for some strange reason. And then won won a battle by being an idiot, right? So they thought, my God, this guy is clumsy. He's not a liability. No, 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 no. No, we're going to put him in really important positions where he can actually make decisions which could change the course of history. Jar Jar Binks. And this is where those theories come from, which I totally debunked at the start, because no, 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 no. He's not the secret Sith Lord. He's another idiot amongst peers, basically. They're all just <laughs> insanely stupid. And I ugh, I don't even know if he's, like, the biggest idiot in this film, quite frankly. I, but, I, I put OMG giving Jar Jar more roles he is incredibly unsuited to <laughs> um, in my notes. Well, Ian, maybe, maybe, maybe they were hoping for some dumb luck, like in the first film. Who knows? They thought, oh, my God, this guy's so, a luck, lucky charm. So, obviously, Anakin is a master in the art of seduction. And um, to impress Natalie Portman, who seems um, very unfazed by this, he proceeds to, right in front of her, rant and moan and whine about how Obi-Wan's unfair to him, how he's jealous of his power, and he's so awesome. And my thought is, does Anakin think that she is attracted to this? Yes! Um, And then I put some really bad dialogue begins... I can't remember what the dialogue itself was, but it was it was pretty bad. There is nothing attractive about this guy. Her first impressions of him should be that of fear, disgust. Like, there is nothing attractive about him whatsoever. He's being a weird, irrational, angry guy in front of her. She must be a total idiot to... I mean, he's the biggest... Well, I don't know who the biggest idiot in this film is. We'll get right back to it after this. This. Okay, <laughs> welcome back. This is a review with jolly old me, David Stone, and Ian Stone over there in Golders Green, as we are recording this show in Hi. in 2020, which has become a very weird year. And we're obviously all going insane because we decided to watch Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones for our next review. In our saga of Star Wars films, which is becoming a bigger, more exciting saga, if you ask me, than this is. Because I don't think my blood pressure levels are ever going to reach this height again, quite frankly. We left you all talking about 
the first sort of real conversation between Natalie Portman's character, the senator, and Hayden Christensen's character, the future Darth Vader. Okay, and he's an irrational, angry, weird, creepy brat. And we just got to the point where they're having their first conversation. And I can't remember whether it was at this point or when they're traveling to where they're going. But this is where I was like, oh, my God, this guy is really seriously creepy because he gives her this look, which I can only describe as completely perverted. It is so disturbing, so disturbing. And I'm like, oh, my God, like. You could write a whole different kind of film out of this, quite frankly. Doesn't she um, come on? Doesn't he come on to her and then she says no or something? And then he says, sorry, my lady. And then has a weird smirk on his face. Oh, several times. But yeah. Oh. So um, off on the dirty weekend, they go. Yeah, off, off they go. <laughs> um, there's some pretty rubbish uh, banter between the two where having something along the lines of oh this is going to be a i'm pretty worried about this trip and anakin says like this is my first assignment i'm worried too and then for some then for some reason r2d2 makes a noise and he says don't worry we have r2 with us which apparently is hilarious um (laughs) at some point um the eye patch guy and um obi-wan are talking to each other basically telling each other about how terrible their two um lackeys apprentices whatever they are are um and there's some awful acting from eyepatch guy where he says i'm really worried uh, i hope he doesn't mess up or something i hope he doesn't do anything stupid around stupid whilst we're out there and then the other guy goes like i'd be more worried about her doing something foolish than him <laughs> so some pretty awful acting that was when i noted that um you and mcgregor's good acting feels very odd set against all of this yeah, awful I, acting. I will say, throughout this entire film, Ewan McGregor delivers his lines the best he can. I would say it's even an improvement on how he did in the first film, uh, yeah. quite frankly. Ewan McGregor's quite good in this, to be fair. And, and, if, and if we cut out all of the Padme and um, Anakin rubbish, I might think this film was okay, because hmm. the stuff with Ewan McGregor tends to be fine. Um, apart from this next scene, where Ewan goes to um, similar to the sports bar, he goes to a 50s diner in space run by a giant CGI blob, um, which Ewan awkwardly hugs. So good, goodness knows what he was actually hugging in real life. A man in a green suit, probably. Okay. Um, <laughs> so why? So he goes into this, as you say, weird alien diner or whatever to get advice. Why uh-huh. is he... Why is he seeking advice off the chef of a greasy spoon? I think maybe the chef was in the mob and he knows, you know, he's got connections. That's my guess. I don't know. I guess, I mean, there I guess the greasy spoon, past. I guess the little chef or whatever it is could be his, um, his business. I guess he could be the owner. Yeah. But this just like, this was a weird, this is a, this is another, this is something that happens quite frequently in this film. You get weird pointless scenes like this which just overcomplicate the story for no apparent reason so this is kind of where we start kind of cutting between obi-wan and anakin at a frequency which is irritating (laughs) i I couldn't keep track of what planet we were on half the time but um (laughs) obi-wan goes to the library at the the jedi academy and and um 
you know, goes to a very grumpy librarian woman who's put off by the fact that their records are incomplete because the the CGI alien guy um, says the dart is from a planet run by these cloners, and yeah. apparently the the um, the the planet is not on the Art Jedi archives. Oh no! Um, Meanwhile. Ian. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen are having dinner in what looks like a prison. <laughs> when we went into this, into this scenario between them, I thought it's going to be quite creepy because she met him when he was a small child, and like, it's going to feel like she's grooming him. But in hindsight, it's quite the opposite way round. This <clears throat> creep does so many creepy things to get his way with her. It's very disturbing. Ian, after this, I am going to explain once again what idiots the Jedi are. This is a review. And we are back on This Is A Review. We, <laughs> How far into this film? We're definitely not halfway into this film at all. We barely scratched the surface and we're almost a whole show through. We will see how many shows are song, but I can tell you folks out there in the universe right away that there is definitely going to be a part two to this review. We've barely scratched the surface. I think this, there might even be a part three. We'll see how much we get done in the next... <laughs> the next... It can't be a three part. <laughs> oh God, it might be. But, Ian, so we're in the bit where we're sort of flipping annoyingly between really short scenes, between yeah. the bird, the, the blossoming, the blossoming love between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. Sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. The, the blossoming, creeping, stalking, whatever you want to call it, that Hayden Christensen is becoming upon Natalie Portman, as he does more and more creepy, horrible, disturbing, disgusting, weird things. And meanwhile, if you just joined us, Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor has just—he's um, just got advice of a greasy spoon owner as to where to go to this planet, uh-huh. but can't find this mm-hmm. planet in the archives. So then, then Ian, he goes and seeks advice of Master Yoda, who is teaching. Some younglings. Yoda has Jed- a terrible classroom banter, by the way. It's like, <laughs> Obi-Wan lost a planet. How embarrassing, children. But Ian, as idiotic <laughs> as the idiot Jedi are, what do they do? They decide to get the answer to their conundrum of children. Like, well, I think, I think Yoda was subtly mocking Obi-Wan's stupidity here because he was like, <laughs> Even kids know what's going on here, Obi-Wan. Uh, <laughs> so he gets the child to demonstrate why there might be a missing planet from the archives. All these children... intentionally deleted. All these children, by the way, are better actors than Hayden Christensen. <laughs> there is some... Oh, I, I, I can't wait to get to it, but coming up soon, there is some excellent child acting. But yes, continue. Oh, okay, really? Well, I don't know if you're being sarcastic there. <laughs> or, or not, to be honest. But yeah, there is some some child acting coming up. Anyway, so the child goes, maybe somebody... Because <laughs> all, all the younglings are Cockney, by the way. Because this is filmed in Pinewood Studios. Yeah, <laughs> so they just got some rap children, yeah. So maybe someone deleted the, the, the planet off the archives, Master Yoda. Said exactly like that. Yeah. So what... So if we're talking about um, Jedi stupidity here, so... 
um, Yoda, everyone's saying like, how could it, who could it delete it? Only Jedi's can access the archive. And Yoda's like, disturbing. I'll think about this. Just two scenes earlier, you are describing <laughs> how the leader of the separatist movement who wants to destroy the Republic was a <laughs> former Jedi who would have had access to your archives. And like, how could they not notice this? But yeah. this is speaking of Jedi stupidity. These people, these people. I told you, I'll, 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 I'll reference back to it again. This film should have been called "The Jedi Are Idiots" because they are incapable. They're incapable putting two and two together. They are incapable, and these people are in charge of protecting the galaxy. And funnily enough, no wonder everything's so bad. No wonder in the future this evil ex-Jedi literally blows up entire planets. It's obvious now. It's obvious because the people who are protecting or meant to be protecting everyone are absolute morons. Absolutely the stupidest group of... (sighs) So, um, meanwhile, Padme and Anakin (laughs) continue to spend time on Naboo. Um, I can't remember what uh, at some point, Padme reminisces about her terrible reign as queen with um, with Anakin, um, and I just noted that, like again, Anakin continues to be a moron, and Padme obviously finds this very attractive. Um, <laughs> you can see why Obi Wan considered um, Anakin to be, you know, such a great friend as he continues to like moan about Obi Wan constantly. Um, and so we cut to this Camino planet, which. You know, it's quite a cool-looking planet, I guess. It's run yeah. by stick stick aliens, you know. Uh, Obi-Wan arrives in Waterworld, is what I put here. <laughs> so, um, great investigating by Obi-Wan, by the way. I mean, <laughs> Obi-Wan kind of like... Obi-Wan's investigation is basically fluking from one random discovery to the next without any putting in any real effort of his own. <laughs> Um, like they basically give him the next part of his of his uh, the next kind of like pieces of information for his investigation just by virtue of him being there. Um, so they say that they built a clone army for the Republic, and the order was put in by uh, some random Jedi who actually died ten years ago. Um, to me, it seems very obvious that Count Dooku is behind the creation of this clone army, or or someone, yeah. or, or you know the Chancellor or someone. Um, you know, great investigating Obi Wan. So it continues to cut to and fro. Oh, my annoying. God, yeah. And I As just some... realised how long this section of the film... This cutting to and fro, like, I thought that, that car chase scene was the longest. This goes on forever and yeah, ever just... and ever. And there's n- nothing really happens on the... Apart from, as I've put, meanwhile... And I keep putting meanwhile during these notes. Meanwhile, on the, per- <laughs> meanwhile on the perverted idiot couple's <laughs> retreat... Yeah. What's really annoying is, like... Stuff does tend to happen on o- the Obi Wan section, like the story kind of progresses onward. Yeah. But on the like, as you say, the dirty weekend away on planet Naboo. Yeah. It's just nothing really happens. So we get some more stilted dialogue between the two. Um, we get there's a the point where they line. literally there's a yes there's a point where they literally roll in the hay as well, quite literally. Yeah, that comes uh, after this. I <laughs> oh, think. is it? Yeah. But, oh, my apologies. Yeah, but but no, we get so so before that happens, we get. The famous line, David. I the need worst, to read it out to you. The worst, the worst line. The worst line. Yeah. And I'll try and do, do it justice. But <laughs> um, this line, which, um, you know, obviously Padme finds nothing more attractive than this line. And it's, 
I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. Now, imagine me very creepily stroking your hand as I'm saying that soft and smooth line, because that's what he does. And also, and this is where I thought, has George Lucas ever spoken to an actual woman before? He, I know he must have done, because he's got kids. And in fact, one of his kids makes a cameo in the next film, and maybe this uh, film as well, actually. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, so they and also have their, I think they follow this with their very awkward um, first kiss which comes oh, out of nowhere. Yeah. And then, obviously, Padme's like, no, I shouldn't have done that. And that's when he says, I'm sorry, my lady. And then he kind of looks into the distance, blinking very awkwardly. There's also another classic Hayden Christensen perverted look amongst all of this. I think it's right after he delivers a sound line. He gives her that really creepy look again, which should set alarm bells ringing straight away. But nope. It's fine. She's she's falling for this creep. This is the least sexy love story I have ever seen. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's awful. So, so then again, we have another meanwhile. <laughs> yes, Obi or Ewan McGregor, I should say, by his proper name. Ewan McGregor is in a, a, a creepy, weird sort of maternity ward in a way. Yeah, he's inspecting the, the clones and he asks the clone, the cloners, about um, who the template was, and they said it's a bounty hunter named Django Fett. And he said he asked for only one request, aside from his considerable pay, which was to have his own clone made um, for him to keep, but without any genetic modifications. So he, you know, he grows at a natural rate; he doesn't have like docile. That's that's creepy. Traits. That is really creepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it is a bit, and it also is another pointless origin story for a character who didn't need such a complicated origin story. It also implies that at the very least the early stormtroopers during the Galactic Empire are all clones of Boba Fett or basically they are brothers of Boba Fett, which is very strange like there was no sense in the original trilogy that Boba Fett had any real connection to the Empire aside from being hired by Darth Vader once very bizarre. So as Obi-Wan is taken to see Jango Fett, and the door is answered by Boba Fett, his son, who mm-hmm. answers the door in the most, you know, this acting, you know, immaculate. They say, Boba, is your father home? And he responds with, Yup. <laughs> and they said, Can we see him? Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> terrible child acting. Ian, I. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to shock you here. I actually brought this up a lot later in the film, but this child is 10,000 times better than Jake Lloyd was in the first film. And I actually didn't mind these lines because I thought these were just pretty standard child acting things. And at least they kept it short. They didn't give him loads to say. <clears throat> and he just said what he needed to and they moved on. But I thought this kid was a hell of a lot better than, uh, well, hell of a lot better than the standards have been uh, so, <laughs> established in this film. But So I did kind of think that he, the way he said yup is kind of the way I could imagine a small child answering mm-hmm. the door in an insolent way. Um, 
to like a visitor um and then obviously Obi-Wan like questions Jango Fett a bit who cares Jango Fett and um and Boba decide to leave the planet because they're suspicious of this Obi-Wan fella but Ian we are reaching the end of this part one only about 50 minutes into the film but before we go <laughs> we'll just quickly look over if the alarm wells weren't ringing before with this Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker. Oh, I think now you're going with it. Yeah. <laughs> so this scene where they're talking and it gets into politics, and yes, yes. and there's a I can't remember what the exact question he asks her. She's basically answering a question, and she was talking about a boy she went out with or something. And I was like, did he just ask her when she lost her virginity? Because it kind of sounds like that is what he just asked her and that's what she's describing. But anyway, that's by the by. This is when we find out that Hayden Christensen's character is an actual Nazi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he yeah. is actually a Nazi. <laughs> he he throws his his fascist views out there for all the world to see. He he puts them as plain as day in front of Natalie Portman in this, and she falls for him. <laughs> Do not forget this, okay? These idiots. The uh, This guy is the biggest creep, okay? She should be running a thousand miles in the opposite direction, and now he's revealing a Nazi, the biggest alarm bell yet. He literally tells her that he thinks there should be a dictatorship. He literally tells <laughs> yeah. her that it's his aim to... He it's foreshadowing, as you say, like which is in the most heavy-handed way I've seen any sort of foreshadowing ever done, by the way, possible. Basically going, ha, 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 that's because this guy's going to be Darth Vader, kids. Work it out, yeah? Great, okay. Heavy-handed nonsense, right? But yeah, this guy is basically explaining to her how he's a fascist. She could not care less. So I, um, my notes in this are, so this is when they are rolling in the grass. So I put, oh, of course, the classical rolling around in the glass, grass cliche. I wish they were rolling around in glass. Yeah. (laughs) And then I put, now he's questioning her love life while explaining to her how much he loves fascism. (laughs) (laughs) And then nothing (laughs) <laughs> Padme Amidala finds nothing more attractive than discussion about fascism, apparently. Because, yeah, then bizarrely, we, we had the scene after that is when she kind of bizarrely dressed in, like, revealing dominatrix-style leather whilst trying <laughs> to tell Hayden Christensen they can't be together. <laughs> uh, whilst having dinner again, I think. Or maybe they were just sitting by oh, the no. fireplace. Well, I Ian, can't remember. Ian, with that said... I'm afraid that that is the end of part one of this is a review for Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. We will start you off again next time with the most exciting scene of them all. We will start next time with the fruit-cutting foreplay of Prince and Princess Idiots. Ian, thank you for joining me for part one say goodbye to the people no it's been a pleasure thanks uh, thanks for having me we'll see you again for part two of the review next time folks that wasn't quite a review so stay tuned bye-bye